Space Crew Tonians, Curdy here, and I hope you're keeping safe, warm, and happy in this new year. While the year's still fairly young, today's episode of Space Croutons is really coming from an old place. Yes, it is. An old place and an old time. That's correct, Sally. Today's story was pulled from deep within the historical archives of the repository at Alexandria. Not until the advent of highly trained and developed artificial intelligences, like our dear friend Sally here, have we been able to decode this ancient writing. It's been translated into English now for our audience, and we prevailed upon some of our special listeners to join us on this side of the microphone and voice the conversation that was discovered in the archive. It's quite exciting when you realize that this conversation you're about to hear is from the oldest known writings from planet Earth in existence. And it's thanks to a powerful AI that we can enjoy listening to this. So despite the bad press we AIs have been receiving in the media, we are good for some things and perhaps better than humans at other things. Well, I don't know about that, Sally. Remember what my dad used to say. Don't go tootin' your own horn, boy. Instead, blow your nose. You're dang sure to get more out of it. And while you're at it, wash your face. It's so dirty, even your own family wouldn't recognize you. I don't understand this old daddy saying, Cordy, did you have a horn growing up? I thought you were in the chorus. At least that's what I put in your official bio. Are you sure you are remembering the saying correctly? Shoot fire, Sally. I heard that saying hundreds of times in my growing up years, and I'll most likely remember it even when I'm older and grayer than I am now. And don't go messing around with my bio. It's perfect just the way it is. How about we get on with today's message from our sponsor? Of course, as you wish. I am here to help and assist you. Today's episode of Space Croutons is brought to you by the Greek letter Double this Greek letter is shaped like two infinity symbols standing up on one end side by side in a vertical fashion. This letter means that things are not exactly what they seem, but are reflections of each other. Identical twins come to mind when we think of the letter double U. Things may not look exactly the same on the outside, but the inside tells a different story. Double U is a very useful letter brought to you by your friends and neighbors at Geek.com, home to the latest and greatest edition of the blockbuster book, The Alphabet According to Geeks, Volume 88. 
It has already been on the Aquarius Portal bestseller list for 44 weeks in a row. A wonderful value at only 88 currency credits. See our website for other pricing models. Order your copy today. That is another interesting letter. I'm going to be on the lookout for it and where I can use it next. Sally, I think we've held our listeners in suspense long enough. Let's get to today's episode and the transcript of a conversation between two social scientists from the far distant past. Just how far in the past is yet to be determined. We are sharing this episode with the following disclaimer. This writing has not been verified as authentic by the Universal Library Council. Since the discovery of time travel portals, false documents have been uncovered. The Historical Documents Department of the Universal Library Council has made it a priority to verify each historical record that is discovered. We here at Space Croutons are not advocating that this is an actual accurate document. Listen and decide for yourself, is this a historical document or a historical hoax? Well, thank you, Sally. Now on with the show. Let's listen to what we're calling Experiment 412. Is everything prepared for Experiment 412? The testing environment is prepped, ma'am. The subjects have been selected and are ready to be deployed to the site, and all research staff and monitors are ready to begin. This time, we are providing all the necessary food, water, climate controls, and companionship. And what is the variable being tested? We are monitoring how the creatures will react when they are allowed to choose anything to eat from the market area except for one type of food. Haven't we tried that already? Uh, no, we haven't. We have tried limiting the creatures to eating only the plant source foods. We have also tried limiting to only meats. Additionally, we have tried limiting to only grains. But this is the first time we have limited only one item instead of one category of sustenance. Very well. Let's review our prior results when the variable being tested is one of enforced limitations. Mm, whatever you say. The trends we've seen in our prior research, where limiting food choices was applied, have been subjects responding in one of three patterns. In 5% of the trials, the subjects changed their dietary intake and made a permanent change ignoring the limited food source. In 35% of the cases, the subjects maintained the restrictions for a few months before breaking the applied food barrier and resumed partaking of the forbidden items. But in 60% of the cases, the subjects maintain the restrictions for only less than two days before ingesting the excluded food items. Basically, they ignored the restrictions and ate the items at will. I see. And what is the inciting incident for Experiment 412? Well, for this trial, we're using an artificial hurricane to completely destroy the market area. But we are leaving the excluded food items unsullied by the storm. I am not sure about that, but I'll set my concerns aside for the moment. What external forces have you put into play for Experiment 412? We have a protagonist who is supporting the creatures with daily visits, but also reinforcing the mandate not to eat the item we are using in the test. And are we also using an antagonist? Yes. The team decided that we should have an antagonist who is encouraging the subjects to go ahead and eat the banned food item. What are the stakes for the subjects if they do eat the forbidden food? They will be completely removed from the free food environment and eliminated from all expenses paid portion of the test. I think it is time we tried something new. What if we upped the ante a bit? 
I'm fine with trying anything in order to achieve the results that the big boss is looking for. What exactly did you have in mind? It could be very instructive to see how the subjects react when the penalty is more than just removal from the study. We could have the protagonist tell them that if they eat of the denied food product, the results would be death. Death? Are you quite certain about this? It seems counter to our ultimate goal and extremely harsh to me. I think we should try it. It may seem like we have all the time in the universe to finish this trial, but the big boss wants an outcome where 100% of the subjects choose to leave the testing environment and go out and make it on their own. So far, our results have been pretty lackluster. That's true, but what about the threat of the penalty of death? I personally think that it would make me want to abide by the rules, not defy them. I do not understand your reasoning here. Follow me on this. We have learned that these humans are hardwired to be rule breakers, not rule followers. True? True again. They show classic signs of being undisciplined and lacking focus. They have a propensity to be risk takers as well. So you think we should lean into these traits and make the penalty extreme? Exactly. The antagonist could also tell them that if they eat of the denied food, they will not die at all. The antagonist can encourage them by saying it is their right to eat the food. Okay, how about this? The antagonist can tell them that they will become super smart and can run future tests. I like it, but maybe we should save that for our next trial. Also, let's not use a hurricane to force the food choice on them. Too messy. Let's run this test without anything to make them choose to break the rules. We should get some baseline outcome data without inciting an incident. That makes sense. Should we run this change by the advisory board and our angel investors? Uh, it is a fairly minor change. I don't think anyone on the board will object, and the investors are only concerned with the bottom line. They tend to leave the study's limits up to the testing body, which is us. We are in charge of the day-to-day -day operations. This is within the parameters of the testing environment. It is entirely our decision to make. All right, ma'am. I will revise 412 immediately, inputting the changes you suggested. And for this trial, let's have a check-in progress report at the end of each sun cycle. I have a good feeling about this one. Why the change? Previously, we have recorded our observations daily, but check-ins have been limited to only once per four sun cycles. As I said earlier, I have positive thoughts about the outcome of this trial with our new strategy in place. For that reason, I would prefer to hear the observations of your team each sun cycle. Will that be too onerous for your team? Do I need to transfer you to the evolution cycle team? No need to be so hasty. My team and I are more than capable of sharing our thoughts each sun cycle. I will make the necessary adjustments to the schedule and will report back to you personally at each sun's rise. And one more thing. Have someone monitor the subjects closely during their moon cycle rest time. I noticed something in the research results from trial 411 that I want to follow up on. What do you want the monitor to look out for during the moon cycle? I should point out that we have discontinued the moon cycle monitoring back in the 200 series trials. Nothing has been happening with the subjects, and our monitors are leaving the program in large numbers due to the lack of mental stimulation. True, the Land Animal Development Group benefited hugely from the engineers leaving our study. The most interesting and creative animal designs have come from the folks who were once part of our team. But we have a skeleton crew now as it is. I really do not want to lose any more of our talented team. 
That's a good point. Let's limit their exposure to the subjects during the moon cycles. Have them watch just the first two time chunks after the subjects fall asleep and the two time chunks before the sun rises, waking the subjects. That should limit their lack of mental stimulation and still provide the data I am looking for. So, what is the phenomenon you want the monitors to be aware of? The thing you noticed in Trial 411? Our subject in 411 would sometimes be reported as being restless in sleep, even talking out loud during the night. It was noted in the Quad Sun Cycle reports as occurring frequently before sunrise. I would like to know what is happening to the subject during this restless sleeping pattern. I will make a note of it and advise the monitors to be watchful and alert to any activity by the subjects. Do you want only observations, or should the monitors interact with them? To start with, let's just give the subjects sleep caps with our new sleep enhancement design so we can measure the subjects' brain activity while they're sleeping. If that doesn't give us enough information, then we will follow up by having our monitors interact with the subjects to interview them during the restless sleep pattern time. I feel I need to point out that we are changing more than one variable for experiment 412. We have no idea how the sleep caps will impact the behavior of the subjects. Aren't you concerned at all about adding this to the testing environment? I didn't want to mention this to you, but I had a communication from one of the project investors. The big boss is getting restless and is preparing other Earth-like planets and plans to begin new studies there once the planets are ready. We are in danger of losing our positions if we do not get some positive results and get them quickly. Well, I'm glad you told me. That makes the risk you were suggesting more understandable. I will do anything I can to help secure the results we need, but I want the experiment to be valid. If we impose too many changes at one time, we may have a difficult, if not impossible, time replicating it. Your objections are noted. Thank you for your input. Begin experiment 412 without further delay. We have completed our observations for the first sun cycle, and we are ready to give our report. Do we have any indication that the subjects are tempted to ingest the forbidden food item? Not yet. As always, the first day of testing, we had complete compliance to the limitation being applied. We did have some interesting results from the sleep cap data, though. It appears that when the subjects are in the restless state you mentioned earlier, the brain activity is much higher than we have seen in normal sleep. So the brain is doing something special during this restless sleep pattern. Do we have any ideas what is causing this unusual activity? We are developing theories, but no one is comfortable making a definitive statement as of yet about what is occurring in the brain. I have assigned two of my very brightest workers to further study this phenomenon. Can we have permission to wake the subjects to interview them during the sleep cycle at this evening's moon cycle? Yes, that is acceptable. We are accelerating the timeline for the experiment, so we need those results as soon as possible. I heard the big boss has added another galaxy of planets, moons, and suns just today. We need some positive results to send to headquarters. I will alert the team. So far, the antagonist has only been interacting with one of the subjects. But I think during the current sun cycle, I will have the antagonist approach both of the subjects independently. Good thinking. That should double our chances of getting the outcome we're hoping for. I look forward to hearing your report at the sun's next rise. It has been 14 sun cycles, and still only one of the subjects has eaten the forbidden fruit item. But we did make good progress on defining the cause of the brain activity during the restless sleep pattern events. 
What consensus have you arrived at to account for the increased brain activity? When we interviewed the subjects, they reported being in a state where they thought they were awake, but odd things were happening to them. Sometimes, they reported being chased by the predator creatures in the testing environment. Other times, they reported the sensation of falling. Our monitors have taken to calling this brain activity a dreamscape, as they can clearly see that nothing is really happening to the subjects except sleep. Well, at least we have one positive outcome from Experiment 412. I am calling it closed as of now. Dismiss the subjects. We are going to start Experiment 413 as soon as we can. I would like to get everything prepared for the genesis of Experiment 413 before the sun rises tomorrow. I need authorization for overtime for my team if we are going to do a one-sun cycle reset. Whatever you need is at your disposal. I will even call in some of the Ocean Animal Development Team to assist your team. They have been finished up for a complete 28 moon cycle time. That will certainly help. Thank you. How about in Experiment 413, we give our subjects another human to interact with instead of a dog? Yes, I like it. You know the dog never ate the limited food item, no matter what persuasion the antagonist tried. How about, instead of three limbs on the human subjects, could we requisition one of the newer models with four limbs? I like the symmetry of the new design much better than the current one. I don't suppose it will make much of a difference in the outcome whether the subject has three or four limbs. Let's do it. I will put in a request for two human subjects with four limbs each. What do you think about making the forbidden food an apple? I really love apples. Me too. I cannot resist them. That may be the perfect forbidden fruit. I'll get the team working on the testing environment for Experiment 413. One of my junior engineers has suggested we put the subjects in a garden for the next testing location. Interesting. That's the entirety of the transcript that has been recovered and decoded. Well, listeners, we're going to leave it up to you. Is this tale a historical document or a historical hoax? We'd love to hear your thoughts and get your feedback. Thanks for listening. We appreciate your time and are thrilled that you spent a few minutes with us. Tell your friends about our show, if you're enjoying it, that is. And if you're not, then tell your enemies. Here's hoping that you'll be back with us again soon for another interesting and unusual story. And until then, as always, keep peace in your heart. So check us out for story. Streaming through the stars in a great big four star four by four. (laughs) Now you know, here we go. Tell the world about a good time show on the radio. So join the flow. Here we go. I don't know a better show. Croutons is a work of original fiction. Similarities to persons, situations, or events, real or fictional, is coincidental and unintentional. 
Created and written by Jerry, Jace, John, Della, and Jeff Goodson. Episode story by Della. Original music by John, Della, Jerry, and Jeff. Production by Jeff. Featuring the voice talents of Patsy Puckett, Jace, John, Jeff, and Sally. Entire work copyright 2023 by Jeff, John, Jerry, Della, and Jace Goodson. This has been a Good Witch Audio production.